On this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, we talk Bruce Arians' head games, Henry Ruggs' position, and Preston Williams' recovery from a knee injury. everyone happy friday let's get a weekend started let's do it with another episode of fantasy football in 15 i'm michael beller joined as always by you know who Derek van riper dvr what's going on my man happy friday it's here the yeah. weekend has arrived and uh, we're gonna have a rash of training camp updates i bet when we get back on monday Yes, we are, and uh, it's great. It, it, it's great that we're going to get some training camp. We are going to have padded practices uh, about ten days or so from now. Teams will start uh, practice uh, practicing with pads on. We'll get some shells on a little bit before that. So, uh, all good things coming in the NFL. Uh, good COVID updates. We have a lot of people returning from being on the COVID-19 reserve list. We did not have a ton of players opting out. No meaningful fantasy opt-outs. The deadline to opt-out passed at 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Tredavious White, who had talked quite a bit about potentially opting out, he is playing. So sorry to all wide receivers who will play the Buffalo Bills this season, but you're going to have to deal with Tredavious White. One of the players who was recently activated from the COVID-19 reserve list was Keyshawn Vaughn. And that launches us into our first topic for today. We just missed this for yesterday's episode. We had already put our episode in the can, so we saved it here for today. Bruce Arians coming out saying that Ronald Jones is the, quote, main guy in Tampa's backfield. Now, DVR, we got to take this with a grain of salt because not only has Bruce Arians said this in his career, Chris Johnson, David Johnson, this is a familiar refrain from Bruce Arians, the coach, but he said this about Ronald Jones specifically as recently as last year, only to go out and that very next week get him six carries and have him running second on his own team. So how much can we trust Bruce Arians specifically? And then a little bit of a broader view with so few practices, with so little training camp, and even what we get nowhere near what we're used to getting, how much are we going to have to or be willing to buy more into coach speak than we are in a typical summer? I think you kind of need a BS meter to get through this draft season because without the benefit of getting to see players on the field, even as useless as the preseason can be in broader terms, it's helpful to get a look at players, get an idea of the pecking order, within a particular backfield, within a group of pass catchers, to understand how a coaching staff views its personnel. With Ronald Jones, I don't think the trust level is going to be there until halfway through a season in which he's actually the guy. I mean, that's what it's going to take, right? It's going to take several weeks of him being the lead back before you feel truly confident that Bruce Arians won't just pull out the rug under him and and leave Keyshawn Vaughn in a better position. And I, I say this as someone who... Of the two, prefers Ronald Jones right now. I think with Vaughn, he looks to me to be like just a little more of a complimentary player. And I think they've got so much talent in the passing game that they may just be a pass-happy team that runs it only to stay a little bit balanced. And if you take a pretty light share of carries for this offense as a whole and you have to split it up between two players, it gets really messy really fast. So to answer your question, no, I don't really trust Bruce Arians. Um <laughs> I think the thing that gives Ronald Jones the leg up is just having some experience in this offense in a season in which it's going to be difficult, I think, for a lot of rookies to get completely up to speed when the season begins. So it could be an ongoing battle. I could see this team just giving us headaches all season long with these two backs. 
yeah, we're on the same page here. And I think the key point that you made is the fact that with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Bruce Arians running the show, this could just be a very heavy pass volume offense. And last year, I mean, just look at Ronald Jones's uh, game locks. 13 carries week one, four in week two. Then he goes 14-19, and then nine and four. Then 11-18-11, and then four, and then 12, and then six. And this is with Peyton Barber as the other back in Tampa. Not a guy who the uh, who the Buccaneers went out and used some significant draft capital on, as they did with Keyshawn Vaughn taking him in the third round of this past year's draft. So as much as I would love to believe Bruce Arians on Ronald Jones, because I still think that there is a very good player in Ronald Jones if he could just be given a little bit of leash, almost like what we were hoping to see happen for Aaron Jones last season. Not quite the same player, but... Just please give him a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more breathing room. I just don't think it's going to happen. So not really changing the way we feel about anyone in this backfield. And we did go in-depth on this backfield on Tuesday's episode. So if you missed that, you can go back and check that out. Next up is an interesting bit of news on Henry Ruggs, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders. Greg Olson said that Henry Ruggs is going to start in the slot. Our own Vegas Raiders beat writer Vic Tafer was sure to point out after that, after that started getting some traction on Twitter on Thursday, just to say that, yeah, he did say he's going to start in the slot, but also that he's going to play some Z, he's going to play outside, he'll be moved around a lot since July 15th. Henry Ruggs has an ADP of 121.02, which makes him the wide receiver 46. Other wide receivers in his neighborhood include McCole Hardman, uh, his college teammate Jerry Judy, Emmanuel Sanders, Jalen Rieger, Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard, John Brown. And something that jumps out to me, DVR, when we look at that list of names is that you've basically got a lot of guys who are wide receiver twos on their own team. Henry Ruggs, could very well be the wide receiver one, and even though he's got Darren Waller to deal with, could easily, no one would be surprised, if uh, Henry Ruggs led this team in targets, is this the cheapest wide receiver one available? And if that's the case, should we be buying more rugs? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I'm intrigued at the price for sure. I mean, I think Henry Ruggs can stretch the field unlike anybody that the Raiders have, and that's not even really taking a shot at Tyrell Williams, who's a nice player in his own right. I think he's just had a difficult time staying healthy you know I think for where he goes I'm interested I wonder how much is Derek Carr a limiting factor for Ruggs I think Ruggs can be really good after the catch but on deep routes is Derek Carr going to be comfortable taking those shots downfield to really take advantage of Ruggs's big playability you know how much of it's going to be volume and how much of it's going to be feast or famine I think that's the one unknown as it pertains to Ruggs regardless of whether He's 1A, 1B with Tyrell Williams, or even if he emerges to be the true number one receiver in this offense. And this is a team that they thought they are going to have Antonio Brown as their number one going into last season. That obviously didn't work out, so things fell apart pretty quickly. At least having a little extra time, knowing that Ruggs is going to be around for a long time, especially he could end up being a guy that does have a prominent role in year one. I mean, compared to the situation of, say, like CeeDee Lamb in Dallas, where you have this high-powered offense with a lot of competition for touches, Ruggs could emerge to be a seven or eight target per game player very soon after the season begins. Yeah, he's going to be potentially the wide receiver one on a team that right now, uh, Vegas, not 
Vegas, Vegas Raiders, but Vegas, the odds makers that we refer to monolithically as Vegas, have them set at a seven and a half win over under. And you could certainly do worse than targeting the best receivers, the best pass catchers, the most prolific pass catchers on bad teams. We saw it with DJ Chark last year. We're maybe going to see it again with DJ Chark this year, just as a top of mind example. Henry Ruggs definitely could fit that. If he does end up playing a little bit in the slot, should we temper our expectations for Hunter Renfro? He's a guy who's getting some late round buzz, but if we get rugs in the slot, we have Nelson Aguilar there, we still have Zay Jones who can play outside, no one jumps out at you, but a lot of names that you got to believe the Raiders are going to give plenty of time to because of the fact that none of them jump out at you, Tyrell Williams, his role is secure, Gotta believe Ruggs' role is secure after they used a first-round pick, made him the first wide receiver off the board in this year's draft. I think that spells bad news for Hunter Renfro, and even though you don't have to use a big pick on him, I'm totally pulling off of him. I feel like there's always someone, whether it's 16th, 17th, 18th round, that I just think has a better chance of contributing in a meaningful way this season. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times when I look at how depth charts are built, I factor in draft capital used to bring in a player. Hunter Renfro was a fifth-round pick a year ago. Uh, Brian Edwards, who they drafted in the third round this year, might be a bigger priority in terms of someone to get on the field. So you go Ruggs, Edwards, Tyrell Williams, Waller. Like That might be your top four guys, and Mm -hmm. the order might fluctuate week to week a little bit, but I just see so many players who can do all the things that Hunter Renfro does and then some. If you look at other depth charts, there's no real compelling reason in a deep PPR league to take on the risk of someone like Renfro being a part-time player or being dependent upon someone else moving around a lot in order to have anything close to the snap share and target share he was getting down the stretch last year. Yeah, don't forget this is also a team with a very high-volume running back in Josh Jacobs, a team that still uses a traditional fullback. Hello, Wisconsin's own Alec Ingold. Jason Witten remains one of the best blocking tight ends in the league too. So this is a team that is going to want to run the ball quite a bit. So also something to consider when you're looking at the pass catchers there in Vegas. One more thing to get to today. It is down in Miami Dolphins and their coaching staff cautiously optimistic is the quote they're using about Preston Preston Williams being available in week one. Of course, he tore his ACL in the middle of last season. He was cleared for physical activity in early August. Last year in those eight games he was able to play was quietly putting together a nice season in South Florida. 32 catches on 60 targets, 428 yards, three touchdowns. So you're talking about, uh, you know, 860-yard pace, six touchdowns over a full season. Of course, Devontae Parker then exploded in the second half of last year. But Preston Williams, if he is able to get on the field week one or just early in the season, looking like a little bit of a bargain, wide receiver 54, an ADP of 142.07. Right, so I think Preston Williams is a good example of somebody who I would trust more than Hunter Renfro because it's just clear that his team needs him to take on a more prominent role. I think you look at Devontae Parker, the clear-cut number one, finally got to the level that many of us were hoping for last season. You know, Mike Kosicki at tight end, I like him a little more than our, our friend Jake Seeley. I think he was in the uh, bad projections piece that Jake wrote up for The Athletic just a couple days ago. I thought that was a great piece. And uh, I think my belief is that Gasicki creates more mismatch nightmares. I think that makes him a bigger part of the offense this year. Coming out to the 51-catch season a year ago, pulled in the five TDs, but he's elusive enough to make big plays. And that's the... That's the extra thing you want your tight end to be. You don't want just a a Jack Doyle volume tight end. You want a tight end who can be very dangerous with the ball in his hands after the catch. I know we didn't see it 
on a frequent basis, but I think we've seen enough of it going back to Gasicki's time at Penn State to believe that those skills are still there. And with improved quarterback play especially, which I think we're all expecting uh, with Tua maybe taking over soon after the season begins if he's not even the guy in Week 1, this passing game is actually one on the rise that I do want to take some chances to invest in. Uh, Preston Williams, I think, at least in full PPR leagues, is worth considering at the price as long as he continues to be on track to recover from that torn ACL in time for week one. Yeah, and in case anyone out there is scoffing at DVR saying that he trusts Preston Williams more than Hunter Renfro because of course he does, are they really even that close in ADP? They actually are. As I mentioned, he had Preston Williams at 142.07, the wide receiver 54. You only got to go down uh, about 15, 16 slots in ADP, just five slots at the wide receiver position to find Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 59, 158.05 in ADP. So that is a closer battle than you might think it is, at least in ADP terms. I am with you completely. I think that Preston Williams is one of these nice guys to target late in draft, someone who could easily uh, rise back up into the wide receiver three level that he was playing at before he tore his ACL last season. And we do love what Tua Tugavailoa might be able to do for this team when he does take over. However, we talk a little bit about Devontae Parker. You mentioned Mike Kosicki, who I am also totally on the bandwagon with. The Dolphins are just saying they're cautiously optimistic about Preston Williams for week one. We already have Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson opting out for this team, so that means a lot more balls to go around for the primary pass catchers in this offense. Should we be bumping both Parker and Kosicki up our draft boards? I mean, cautiously optimistic is great, but what if cautiously optimistic means he can't actually play Preston Williams until week four? To me, this makes me want to buy pretty much everyone in Miami's passing game a little bit more because I think Kosicki and Devontae Parker could be in line for increased volume at least early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think if we find out that Williams won't be ready for week one, he goes from nice late round value to guy that I'm going to try and pick up on the waiver wire in season. He's pretty much undraftable if he's not ready for those first couple of games. I think that would put more targets on both Parker and Gasicki. And my question to you, is there anybody buried in this depth chart? There are opportunities for the reasons you mentioned, no Wilson, no Hearns. Isaiah Ford, Jakeem Grant, Gary Jennings, Mac Hollins, Matt Cole. Does anybody in that group of receivers kind of stand out to you as someone who could thrive with an opportunity to at least temporarily be the number two receiver and number three option in this passing game if Williams is forced to miss time? Because I don't see anybody who I want to take that flyer on. And anytime I look at a depth chart with five names on it and can't pick one that I like, I wonder if I'm just missing something. I don't think you are. I mean, if I was forced to make an argument for someone, it would be Jakeem Grant, just because we've seen it a little bit from him and we know what his skill set is, a guy who's still got some pretty good speed. So I would pick him if I was forced to pick someone. But I think if you take um, uh, Preston Williams out of the equation here, all we end up getting is a very skinny predictable usage tree that is a lot of Parker, a lot of Kosicki, a lot of Jordan Howard, and then a fair amount of Matt Burita mixed in. And that is great for the fantasy football world. Yeah, it makes things easier when you get a skinny tree. It sure does. It's something we always love to look for. Hopefully, you always love to look for a new episode of Fantasy Football in 15. That's going to do it for today. That's going to do it for this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And also, if you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get yourself 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you next week. Have a great weekend.